Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire cartoon fan podcast. This is episode 447, and today we'll be talking about Labyrinth Runners from the Owl House. I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. Ooh, we get a we get a Gus-centric episode today. Yeah, do we want to do a little summary for those who don't remember what happened? So it starts out with a flashback of Gus in his early days when he met Willow while he was hiding cotton in his own head because he had been tricked again by somebody. She teaches him a breathing exercise to calm him down, and they make friends. We come into the present day. Multitrack studies are being started at Hexside, but Adrian Gray, head witch of the Illusion Coven, shows up to say that there's going to be a problem. Bellos knows about this, and he plans on giving everyone at the school a coven mark by force. But he plans to use a illusion of a sigil to protect every student there. But Gus sees through the trick that is being played and says that no, that's actually a real coven brand that's coming out. And, uh, well, let's just say Adrian Gray is less than pleased with being... I mean, being... well, that's not a bad idea, you know? You just get one of those, like, stamps they use when you leave a festival so they know that you've already paid. Just get one of those bad boys. Yep. Adrian Gray is less than pleased about being found out by Gus, but Gus uh, gets lost in his own head again, covering the entire school in illusions. Chaos ensues as Hunter runs off with him, uh, Hunter having spoken to Gus earlier, and... Despite Gus having gotten lunch from his cafeteria, he still had a bag of lunch with a sandwich in it to give to the hunter who is now living at Hexide. Temporarily, of course. They're uh, pursued through the, through the halls. Eventually, Gus is captured by Adrian, and Hunter is recovered by the students that are hiding out in the healing homeroom. He's saved by Skara and Viney, and uh, presumably Willow as well. She's quite capable. Uh, she totally got Steve. Although Amity only thinks it was a lucky shot, Steve Steve knows better. They break into the gym and are able to, well, I was going to say rescue Gus from Adrian, but it's much more accurate to say that they uh, rescue Adrian from Gus. Uh, Hunter is able to get through to him, get him to do the breathing exercise, and the, the angry orb or the sad orb goes away. You know, we were talking about Avatar before we started recording, and uh, the... Coven is able to drag a, let's say, unresponsive Adrian onto the airship. And Severine, who has been being put down by Adrian and the Coven the entire time, quits and goes back to the tiny cat coven. Yeah, um, I, I would like to know what the tiny cat coven is. <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually first learned about the tiny cat coven in episode five of season one, Covention. They really mention it? They show it. It's one of the covens that has a booth. But unfortunately, we don't learn anything about them. I love the student that's just like a dog, um, kind of. Like, are they in the tiny Marcus. cat coven? Barkus, who like communicates a whole sentence with a single sneeze. Barkus has skills. Bork. How does he like hold a pencil with his paws? You know, that's a very good question. Like, he's very much less humanoid than even the very. Um, non-human-looking demons. Yeah, you would figure having an opposable thumb would be really handy, but I guess he's got his magic, he'll be okay. Yeah, he could float the pencil. Speaking of things you can do with, uh, with magic, when the two coven scouts have captured Hunter, but Hunter is struggling too much for them, the one's like, ah, dude, just put him, and then the one's like, out of his misery, got it! <laughs> just sleep, dude, just sleep! 
Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> also, Bellos <laughs> making sure to wipe out all the children too by making sure they all have sigils. Like, is he going to go to the baby room and start marking them up as well? I mean, to th- if you think about it, wouldn't it be better for them to starve to death with no one to give them care? I don't know. Those kindergartners seem pretty capable. Uh, yeah, now that I think about, um, now that I think about the second episode uh-huh. for the future, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah. Also, I just happened to pause the episode when Gus and Hunter are in Gus's room, and he has, among other things, a poster for The Thing, with the text being just incomprehensible enough where it doesn't say The Thing, but it's it's the poster from The Thing. And also those, like, marble towers, you know, where you, like, construct a tower mm. and you drop marbles in them? And I have not, literally not seen those since I was a kid, so good on Gus for having good taste. <laughs> those are great they're mesmerizing the greatest of his human treasures <laughs> yeah he he had to stack it up piece by piece he's like oh this is a ramp and then i got a funnel awesome yeah i, I just want to say about hex side that it's amazing how chill bellos has been on everything that happens there <laughs> he, he he's finally getting around to dealing with the fact that they've been going completely off the rails letting Luz have uh, basically completely disrupted, you know, the pathways they had to get the kids, to get their sigils and whatever. I don't know why he didn't just make them lock down earlier, get their sigils earlier. Is he not checking in? It seems like Bumpus just had, or uh, uh, Bumpus, Jesus. Bump has his, uh, <laughs> uh, he's a bit of a Bumpus, but, you know, he's, he can just do whatever he wants. He has so much authority and, as we see later, the school is just able to really easily evade the law in the same way that Ida just lived in her house for a long time and people just didn't bother her enough. I I have to think that Bellos, even those closest to him, kind of suck at doing their jobs or disloyal to him. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. It, it's amazing. <laughs> I think as the Day of Unity approaches, his resources start to get spread pretty thin. Yeah. You know, because he's got so much other stuff he needs to stamp down before the Day of Unity, right? Like, they had to construct that whole plaza where everyone was going to hang out, so there's probably a whole lot of, like, resources going there, and the door, plus other wild witches and dissidents and, you know, keeping order and all that stuff. Yeah, they have been branding a lot of witches. Yeah, I think that's, like, the most amount of... Choo-choo. That was the biggest crew that the illusionist uh, head coven, which, whose name I can't remember, could get. Adrian. Adrian. I kind of liked him before the transformation, although honestly I also like him after the transformation. <laughs> it's just a completely different character. Gives me a lot of Double Trouble vibes from She-Ra. Little queen, little sassy, little... Yeah, well, and the obsession with... Mm-hmm. being an accurate thespian the yes. performance of course which again so he's somehow able to pull together this giant crew and we're talking about bellos's resources being spread thin like they bring so many people in on this project and yet they all go home with nothing and the kids are fine i mean to be fair that was all severine's fault so <laughs> severine deserves better Severine deserves the tiny cat coven. Which she is to deserves say, a good better severance package. 
because she just quit. (laughs) (laughs) She deserves a good Severine package. Uh, oh, oh, was it one of, was one of those guards Steve? Yes, that's the one who... That Willow, that Willow got? Don't listen to her, you totally got me. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Or at least it was the same voice actor. Yeah, because they switched it from Alex Hirsch to, like, an actual <laughs> other person. <laughs> yeah, don't say actual voice actor, you know. Alex uh, yeah, is no, I mean, actual like, an... <laughs> voice actor. <laughs> like someone we had to hire. Yeah, someone exactly. Wasn't going to be <laughs> yeah. here regardless. <laughs> that that's what I mean. Like an actual other person, so that he's not voicing like half the cast. Well, yeah, it, you know, it's good to do that because it's a risk to make your entire show based on one person. It's really lucky that we know Alex Hirsch is a good guy. Hopefully, based on all his tweets, but you never know. It could turn around in an instant. You never know yeah, what people God. do. Another thing about that, like, cute little breathing exercise that they were doing in this episode. Biggest flaw is that it is literally anatomically impossible to curl your pinky in without curling also your ring (laughs) finger. At least a little. Yeah. Hold out your hand and then curl just your pinky into your palm all the way. As much as far as you can. And I literally can't, I can't do that without even curling my middle finger as well. My ring finger goes just all the way with it. Um, so I don't know, maybe witches have different tendon anatomy. <laughs> There's a lore explanation. I I like that the breathing exercise was presented without explaining it. You know, it's just, hey, follow me. And when you're feeling stressed out, try doing this. And then they just demonstrate it and show the effect of it instead of just saying how it works, which... I mean, I think there's a place for both. Like, I liked how Dr. Maheshwar and, and Steven Universe just directly explained to Steven what cortisol but she is. is. A doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the context is different. Like, Steven has any idea what cortisol is or cares. Yeah. So, but it, I think the only misrepresentation here is, and it's for the sake of an 11 minute episode, you know, they count to 22. four once. Yeah, 22 minute episode. Sorry. They count to four once. Twice. One, two, three, four, and then out one, two, three. Oh, right, right. For one whole breath series, <laughs> and then they're calm. And it's like, from personal experience, <laughs> yeah, no. It takes, it takes, <laughs> it takes a, while a while to calm down somebody who's hyperventilating. So, that's the only disingenuous side. <laughs> like, it doesn't yeah. instantly solve your problem. And they okay. did so well with loses, the, the physical impact of loses anguish in the... The the Bonesboro Brawl episode. Right. Yeah, where she falls to the ground. I mean, Hunter's kind of, like, descent yeah, into stressed. panic was pretty, like, heart-wrenching. Like, I definitely feel that um, with him, you know, like, some of us have been there sometimes even many times. You know, follow an evil overlord. I mean, who hasn't, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, the poor kid's been homeless. Oh, my God. And reeks, canonically. I always am kind of like... (laughs) (laughs) I'm the kind of person when you watch shows and talk about it with other people, and I'm like, look carefully at these characters. When do you think the last time it was that they showered? (laughs) And the show just, like, conveniently glazes over the fact that they all probably absolutely, like, can fumigate a room with the BO (laughs) that's coming off of them. Because humans are stinky. We're freaking stinky animals. And... I I do like that he acknowledged that Hunter smells very bad. (laughs) I mean, he looks pretty rough, so that's understandable. Now you want to talk about nitpicks. I got a nitpick for this episode. Why on earth 
would you be using your healing magic mid-battle to deal with a scrape that somebody got in the middle in the fight? Don't don't you have other things you could be doing, like preventing more people from getting scrapes or stubbing their toe or I don't know, whatever minor injuries they can think of? Well, first of all, if you have healing powers, then that's just the only thing you got going on, so you might as well use it. And two, scrapes are very serious in cartoons, GC. Once you see physical battle damage, you know shit's yeah, real. Yeah, Matholomew got beat up, and like, you kind of look <laughs> at that, obviously, and it's like, they, the scrapes are red, but you're not going to show them actively bleeding, and with like, their skin flap, like, hanging off, because they got like, <laughs> massive lacerations all over their bodies, um, or broken bones, or all that, like, you gotta keep it not so intense that you're showing children, you know, bleeding and panicking all over the floor. So what you're saying is, this was the birth of Mantholomule. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Takes a cut to make a man. He's got those scratches over his eyes, like, he should have kept it and gotten a scar. I'm sure Willow could give him a couple. <laughs> i just love to see them riding puddles into battle. Best bird. <laughs> I, uh, I, I thought the sort of, I guess, most extreme version of illusion magic presented here was was cool. Like, the visual effect of all that overlapping blue scenes was neat, and the fact that it took over the whole school provided some, you know, mildly interesting situations. Characters like having to map the physicality of the school with the illusions. I like how they have to deal with illusions, just literally in animation. Like, is it, you know, some pain or plane of uh, light that they have to pass through? What's it look like when someone falls through when, because there's actually a staircase there? So that's, it's kind of cool. I, I'm interested that illusion magic isn't so easily dispelled by another powerful illusionist, but I guess Gus's blue eyes make it so that this is like a very extreme power. I, yeah. I just don't understand why Adrian doesn't, I don't know, dispel it, but maybe he can't. Well, he was spending all of his time examining it. He had no thought to get rid of this. He's like, ooh, the detail is fantastic. Well, I mean, there he cares because he's trying to find that illusionist site because he wants to know about the whatever that artifact is called. The Galderstones? Yeah, the Galderstones. Yeah, I think, like, magic that's born out of, like, intense emotions is obviously much more powerful and harder to control but harder to like understand right like you can dispel a spell circle that's one thing right that's like a conscious organized spell that somebody has made with intent versus like a giant school-wide illusion made out of his like panicking brain (laughs) is much much harder to like dispel essentially yeah like you would have to be just as mentally disciplined as he was in turmoil when he made that Yeah, I'd buy that. That makes sense. Now, something this episode did that was a little interesting for me is it kind of uh, really put into place the the, the Belos crime family, if you will. Like, you would think that it would be Belos has the Emperor's Coven, and these guys are his elite enforcers, and they do his bidding, and then the other covens, like, they do their own thing. They, They just mostly don't act up and just stay out of the way. But in this, it's just like we've seen Terra Snapdragon of the past being a key enforcer for Bellows. Adrian Gray sent out as an enforcer for Bellows, and 
When he needs muscle, does he bring a bunch of illusionists? Oh no. He can recruit some of the Emperor's guys, because he's one of the Emperor's guys too. He's just higher ranking mm-hmm. than them. Are the Covenheads higher ranking than the Golden Guard? Because I think no. they're not. No. He's really out of their power structure. Yeah, but I think also they don't have to listen to him, because obviously they haven't, right? Like, he technically is their superior, but they don't have consequences for not listening to him, because he's not established enough. Yeah, I think all of the Coven heads are like Kikimura and the Golden Guard. They're all on roughly an equivalent level. They all only answer to Belos, and I think Belos likes it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, keep the rivalries going. So, yeah, you have a very, very flat command structure once you get up to that high level. Yeah, and I think it's based more on, like, reputation. Reputation, politicking. There's not much formal power structure. It's all, who do you know? How good are you at playing backroom dealing? And, of course, backstabbing, as Kikimura (laughs) is so exquisite at. Or at least determined at. Okay, let's see. What else? What else? What else we got? Um... Who can curl their pinky? Nobody. Hunter's first high five. I feel yes. I feel very sad for the Boiling Isles for not having high fives. Because high fives genuinely are a phenomenal little cultural thing, right? Like, you know how some cultures, they'll do, like, kisses on the cheek as a greeting. Um, not everywhere does high fives. And high fives are great. Like, teaching a little kid, like, really little, like, like one and a half, what a high five is, they want to high five everybody. They think it's the <laughs> coolest thing ever. And then you, like, hold out your hand. I'm like, okay, you can high five me absolutely as hard as you want. And, and they'll, like, <laughs> they'll wind up their whole arm and try and give you that high five. And then you're like, ooh, saw oh, you got me. And they just love it. <laughs> so, yeah, Boiling Isles needs high fives. This is my first agenda uh, once they dethrone Bellows. <laughs> once, once, once you are named emperor, exactly. What would your regnal name be? Um, probably just Soren, because that name cost me a lot of money, <laughs> and I'm not gonna throw it out the window. I've chosen Emperor Magnus as my regnal name. I could go with like AC, is because it's my alias, but I didn't pay money for that name. <laughs> I can only think of corny ones. I'm like, call me Emperor Democracy, just for the. <laughs> Just for the irony. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh my god. Emperor (laughs) Emperor Democracy. That's really good. Uh, I'm I'm getting flashbacks to Dr. Princess from Adventure Time. (laughs) Not entirely incompatible. To be a doctor and a princess. But maybe, maybe to be an emperor. You could be a democratically elected emperor. Yeah, I guess emperors. It's just the unilateral control that they have after yeah, they have exactly. their position. But they don't have yes. to get it through bloodshed. Well, <laughs> Bellos did. <laughs> oh yeah, he shed lots of well. We technically don't know how he came to power. We we know how he got people to like him, but we don't know if there were crusades against holdouts or if if it was all one big protection racket. I mean, it probably took him a while to, like, officially unite all of the Isles under his control. But still, they they could have mentioned a war of unification, so... Yeah, if it may have been just, like, a campaign of unification, or, like, maybe he kind of bullied the other areas into unifying. Fair enough. If you got a whole bunch of coven boys, what are they gonna do to stop you? What else we got on this episode? 
Well, I, I am wondering what that coven captain thought was going to happen when he comes at them with this, uh, oh, hey, I'm controlling this thing by remote control. It's like, boy, you better hope nobody gets behind that thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because you are helpless against these two. <laughs> they are terrifying. They're two legitimate super witches. Completely a uh, different thread, but Willow has a, a little thing going on in this episode, trying to reintegrate in her friendship with Amity, trying to reset, you know, what Amity's expectations for her are. I think that was something you wanted to see <laughs> her struggle with right here before uh, the series ended. Like, did that feel satisfying or meaningful? It's kind of coupled in with, you know, Gus and Hunter and lots of other stuff going on, but it was there. Well, we'll, we'll get to the next time we discuss season two. We'll get to the whole, we don't have time for 20 more adventures. So unfortunately, <laughs> things just had to be compressed for the greater good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder what the future of the Owl House is going to look like if there is one. Because, you know, Disney doing a double take and being like, oh, this show has a actually a quite a big following and money can be made from this but kind of a bit too late so i wonder if they're gonna try and like backtrack and you know green light some more content for the owl house uh maybe there'll be like a movie i could see them doing a movie the owl house distant lands <laughs> exactly or like a spin-off show or something yeah it's just it's a shame it wasn't able to like live out its um What's the word? Just the original plan, I guess. Yeah, live out its dream in its entirety. As intended. Very sad, very sad. But what we ended up getting was pretty good, I'll give them that. Well, we, of course, have one more episode to go, one double-length episode, which will be premiering on the 8th. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Labyrinth Runners. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. Oh, is that me? Leave us a comment or a review. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. <laughs>